As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Sifpop Podcast is recorded in front of a live internet audience. Live from a bunker in the heart of the Ozarks, boldly going where many podcasts have gone before, it's Sifpop. Ladies and gentlemen, Danae on the rock flute. Thank you, everyone. Thank you for coming. Great job. Oh, I, I should still be fluting. Hold on. Welcome. She is that good. She put it up her nose. Welcome to Sip Pop. She's Kenny G in this thing right now. Does he play with his nose? Gross. I didn't know Kenny G played with his no, nose. He, he does, doesn't. He, he holds the world record because he can inhale through his nose and exhale through his uh, mouth. Jazz flute. His mouth at, hole. Yeah, his mouth hole. And he did it for like three hours. I think he held one note. That's how the didgeridoo is is done. We still need to get a didgeridoo. Aaron? We talked hey, about this last week. Once it's done, it's a didgeridoo. Oh. I mean, just so just so we're all clear. That's such a Ty Burrell modern family. Listen, quote. I'm just saying already there are four people and it's already crazy. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to Sif Pop with Aaron and Danae and Andrew, streaming live on Mixler every Friday afternoon or available to download later in your podcast feed. Unless, of course, you're a patron. Patrons get perks! Patrons get those perks! Mm -hmm. Every week we'll be joined by a pop culture guru to chat about movies, television, and whatever else is on our pop culture minds. Today's guru, it's Sean from Rethink Media and Geek Point O. How you doing, man? Hey, everybody. <laughs> oh, it's Elvis. I'm doing good. I thought it was Sean. <laughs> that was a heck of an intro. <laughs> Mercy. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Uh, indeed, this is the first time we're going with the uh, the fearsome foursome idea here for Sif Pop. We now have three every week. Oh, that posts. automatically means I'm the invisible woman. That's exciting. <laughs> no, everybody wants to hear what you have to say. No, um, I really love. But we're that. still going to have our uh, we're still going to have our gurus on, and so uh, we're kicking it off with Sean. We're going to chat some Star Trek Beyond today. We're going to chat some Netflix Stranger Things, and of course, we'll have uh, some buried treasure at the end. But we always like to kick it off. With some do we care, Danae's going to read some pop culture headlines, and the three of us will decide if we care to talk more about it. Three of us being Andrew Ormsby, just in case you didn't listen to last week's episode and yes. learn that Andrew is our third person for Sif Pop. Andrew from Flick Freaks. Ahoy! Woo! Okay, so top up, I saw this. It said Daredevil 3 is moving uh, ahead at Netflix. Do we care? Oh, yeah. Yeah, the Marvel stuff uh, at yes. Netflix is has been really interesting. I actually just finished last week Daredevil season two. <laughs> finally got I finished around it in it. like two days. I know. Well, I finally got it. There's just been so much, and it was just kind of one that's kind of hung out there. And I, I haven't watched it. What's compelling about it? Uh, I think probably John Bernthal the, as the Punisher this season was like one of the greatest things ever. Yeah, he was pretty incredible. Um, so. Yeah, but- I, I think overall Charlie's pretty amazing. I think overall oh, it's yeah. casting and character work, I think is why the Netflix yes. series are working. And that goes for um all Netflix series apparently. <laughs> the Marvel ones. Oh. Jessica Jones, Daredevil. Well, I think this season of Daredevil was a lot darker than even Jessica Jones. And I don't think I didn't think Are you for, sure Jessica Jones was pretty dark? I know, but man. Yeah. I never I didn't keep watching that one. I think I popped out of that one. They're both dark, but I honestly do think that season two of Daredevil was darker. And I think that's yeah, interesting that there. Marco. I, I think it's interesting that Marvel has decided that for their Netflix franchises, they're going this grittier, darker, while the movies are you know bright and vibrant. Yeah, and I think I think thematically, uh, maybe not darker, but certainly violence in Daredevil season two was pretty extreme. Yeah, it was pretty dark. So thanks to the Punisher. What did There's- you think, Sean? Uh, I thought it was amazing. 
And being the the person I am, I, I guess I don't. I, I guess I can see the violence ramped up a bit, but I don't see it as extreme. I think it fits with what the show is and the characters that they're addressing. Um, I thought Daredevil season two was fantastic, uh, simply amazing, and John Barenthal was fantastic. I love Charlie Cox, um, and yeah, I do. I agree with you, Andrew. I think it's it's darker. Uh, overall, tone-wise, especially when you're talking about the relationships between people. Jessica Jones is still kind of finding, finding its footing with the relationships between, the intrapersonal stuff between each character. Uh, unless you're talking about her, you know, villain to superhero uh, relationship. But yeah, the crumbling relationship between um, Matt Murdock and the rest of the team, you know, was foggy. much darker this season. Yeah, Foggy and uh, uh, what's her name? Deborah Ann Wall. So season three. So yeah. season three has no indication of when it's going to come out. It just they just said soon. The tweet says uh, next mm-hmm. stop Hell's Kitchen. Daredevil season three is coming soon. Hashtag Daredevil with like a little bit of a clip that you can see. Where Isn't Luke Cage Hell's coming so, like okay. really soon? These are the ones that have coming out. They have Luke Cage. Uh, season two of uh, Jessica Jones and then Iron Fist is coming out. Is as there well. a punish? Aren't they doing a solo Punisher, Punisher season as well? Yeah, man. All right, next up be- on Netflix Dewey is going to be all Marvel we all could the talk, time. We could talk about this all day. I have to rein you guys in. Do it. All right, next up on <laughs> Do We Care, Divergent finale will skip theaters nope. and uh-uh. launch as a TV nope. movie and spinoff skip. series. Do Go. we care? Next, <laughs> next. Nope. I, I care. Oh, God. I don't. Here's here's here's. <laughs> I, hey, I, we say we don't care. I count too. I count too. I say I care, so it's tied. Two v. Oh, sorry guys. Um, here's the reason I care. Uh, Divergent wasn't like one of my favorite movies or anything like that. I care because this is huge news. Like that a major Hollywood studio project that was supposed to be like you know a huge four part series. Has gone has like thrown They're, in the towel. That's exactly why it's I'm interested. Like, and it's not that they're throwing true. in the towel. That's true. They're redirecting, going, we still want to tell the story. Yeah. So what they're gonna do is they're gonna release the movie on TV with the characters from the films, mm-hmm. and then they're launching on the heels of it a new cast on a series. And I you just don't see this happening very no, often. No, they're trying to salvage so, a property that they're basically admitting they screwed up. Yeah, like, you but know. at least they care about it enough to try to kind of bring it to some sort of an I end. Fascinating. I, I I'm more likely to watch the T V ending than I would be to go to the theaters. So I but think we'll move on studio... quickly because you guys okay. don't care. <laughs> and we did so. Well, Sean, you said you don't care, and then you started to say something. So what did is you change it? Do you your mind? Care or do you not care, Sean? <laughs> About Divergent as a whole, no. But Aaron made a really good point, and I think this is a studio acknowledging. And we, and you're right. Not often do we see this, but a whole bunch of uh, franchises started to do this whole Hunger Games thing. Like, let's play off the success of Hunger Games, and we'll do series of of you know young adult books too. Um, and they forgot that what made Hunger Games so good was the characters and the actors playing them and divergent never in its wildest dreams ever you know what i mean stacked up to that that uh right. they couldn't fill those hefty shoes and so last up on, yeah, on that's do a big deal. we care is one that um i definitely think is a uh, clickbait and i am only going to apologize for it because it said the real reason firefly was canceled <laughs> i don't want to hear any more oh, about firefly do I'm we just care war- i'm worn out on why firefly was canceled it's just i love it i just want to love it for what it is serenity was great and all these reasons because they're never going to bring it back i don't want them to bring it back yeah yeah. so it's like hearing at this point it's like hearing the gory details of like you know how your best friend was killed or something you know what i mean it's like i don't i don't i okay it's a tough question because i do actually care but i don't want to hear but i don't want to hear oh what that's the whole reason I picked the articles. I thought it was really interesting fact All right, that I wanted ahead. to share make, it. Make, make the fact quickly then. But you said it was clickbait, so. It did sound clickbaitish, right? Like, But the it real actually reasons. has an answer? Well, you know, it's going to go through these 14 things, but I found it interesting that um, when he con- when Whedon conceived Firefly, he convinced it, uh, he conceived it as an episodic yet continuous story divided into hour-long chunks, and that meant that the episodes needed to air in a specific order in order to make sense to the viewers, and Fox put them on out of order. I never knew that. Yeah. And I think that might have been one of the reasons it didn't catch on is because it was confusing. Because when I saw Firefly, it was on the DVD. So I saw it as it was intended. Yep. I didn't realize it was out of order. Did you yep. guys know that? Yeah. 
Yeah. You knew that? Yeah. That's the, that when people ask me why I was kidding, that's what that's what I always I tell them is that. because Fox screwed it up because they incredible. played like did they play like the fourth episode first or something like that? It was just they uh, ridiculous. The pilot, which introduces the characters and the plot of the entire venture, didn't air until the end of the show's run. Yeah. <laughs> which I was just like that baffled me. So okay. Moving yeah. on. Speaking moving of on. Joss Whedon, quick Joss Whedon fact. Do you know what famous animated film Joss Whedon wrote? Yeah, I do, but I'm not I want to make sure, see if anybody else knows it. Uh, Bugs Life? No. That was close, though. No, I do not know. Toy Story. Toy Story. He wrote it? Yep. Yeah. Oh. He was the lead writer for Toy Story. <laughs> That's awesome. Isn't that mind-blowing? Oh, Joss. I, Before that, we send uh, Firefly packing, the only important thing to know about Firefly is it produced the greatest icon to the nerd and geek community ever, Jane. The man Nathan they Fillion. call Jane. <laughs> <laughs> Fillion's great, that's for sure. Yeah. Well, that doesn't sound like the Star Trek theme. I was told it was fine. (laughs) Where does Uh, one find the Star Trek theme anymore? uh, Wherever you want to. We could probably sing it together. No, that is a song that was highlighted in both the promotional material as well as the movie itself. It's a Beastie Boys tune. And we want to talk a little Star Trek Beyond. We are boldly going uh, where no man has gone before. I should say... No one has gone before, as they say now. Uh, and uh, with another Star Trek movie, the 13th in the series. And we join uh, Captain Kirk and his enterprising crew as they trek across space. Now, is that space. including like, all the next generation films and stuff? Or yep. is Okay, yeah. I think this is number 13 altogether. Six TV series in 13 movies. Yeah. So it's been a lot of stuff out there. So let's start with this. Uh, Danae did not see the film. I did not Feel see free the film. to ask questions. Contribute how you will. Uh, the three of us have. Let's just start with. Did I, you, I do want to say I am excited to see it. And oh, I will, are you? I will be watching this one. Okay. Yeah. So did you like it? Love it? It was okay. Disliked it? Hated it? Sean, you start us off. Um, it was it was fun. I didn't love it. I didn't hate it. I liked it. It was great. Uh, you know, it's Abrams. It's uh abrams era action at its best you know lots of explosions great lens flare um just it's it's really pretty um i found it fun uh there was one scene in the middle of the movie that completely just jarred the experience for me um but other than that i I think the movie uh i think it was good and enjoyable i just don't think of them as i just can't it's not a star trek movie to me it's a space age uh, sci-fi movie that's using the Star Trek branding. Um, All right, just, I want to have that. Quite hit that. I want to have that argument with you at some point, but not right now because we, we want to okay. get our fight, brief fight, brief fight, points fight. out here first. Um, <laughs> what do you think? What I, I liked it. You liked it. I, I wouldn't quite go to loved it, um, but yeah. I a solid liked it. I, I really had a good time. What do you think? It was okay. Okay, just okay. So I guess my my questions would, if I had one right off the bat, based on what you said, Sean, is like I love the Star Trek series, but I also love space exploration type Mm -hmm. uh, episodes too. Did it do a good job of like representing space exploration and crews all coming together? And absolutely, I think that's a I think that's a tricky question for me personally. It did a good job of doing the space exploration. But not in a Star Trek sense for me. See, I exactly. found this. I found this to be one of the most Star Trek movies I've seen. In, well, maybe the of the first three of the three that you know, kind of the Abrams crew has done. This was the most Star Trekky to me. Well, you know, uh, Abrams Agreed. did not direct this one. No, I do. I know. But Justin I mean, it's, Lin, the guy who did all the Fast and the Furious movies. Correct. Yeah. But I know it's got his fingerprints all over it. Like you know, he yes, launched it. Lens flare fingerprints. Yeah. Exactly. Um, so yeah, for me, I really found, because it felt like a standalone episode in a lot of ways. Like the other two felt like they were trying to set up so much and kind of reveal this new world to us. And this one just felt very much like a, uh, like a distinct story in, in the universe, you know, for me. I get it. I see that. Um, what about like your favorite performances? Did you want to get into that? Favorite performances? (laughs) Well, he's buried. Right. Yeah. yeah Carl, Carl Urban. Um, yeah. Carl Urban is just fantastic. Doctor McCoy. Bones. Oh my god! And he's honestly one of my favorite parts of all of these rebooted versions. He's so spot on. Yeah. You know, and he looks like uh, is just he's amazing. And it, I love his his sarcasm and his wit and his delivery. Um, he just he wears the role 
both, you know, figuratively and, and literally quite well. I think really, honestly, I think it's the entire cast. And that's why I think I'm liking these movies, even when there are some flaws with them. I think they just set themselves up for a great foundation with their casting and uh, like you know, you mentioned Bones. Bones is great, but I don't know that he's any better than you know that than Pine is for Kirk. Pine is perfect for Kirk. Pine is what an amazing yes. great Kirk. casting choice. Yes, he is. And um, in Zachary Quinto as Spock is working perfectly oh, no, for me. I'm gonna I'm gonna challenge you on that one. Really, I'm, I'm getting tired uh, of Quinto Spock. Really, okay, re- I really am. I, I look forward to that. But I feel like all around, like I'm. I mean, uh, Scotty. You know, Simon Pegg is Scotty. What an inspired oh, yeah. choice. Uh, so I'm just enjoying it all around the cast. You know, it's just they work really well together. But let's get into what. So what don't you like about Scotty or about um, for Zachary Spock, Quinto yeah. and Spock? Okay, so I understand that Spock as a character is very dry and monotone. But something that Leonard Nimoy was able to do was breathe life into a character because yes, he's Vulcan, but he's also half human, so he does have human tendencies. Mm-hmm. For me, the more these vi- these films, this trilogy that's going on right now, the more they've progressed, we're seeing less of the human side of Spock. We're seeing the more Vulcan side. And see, I, I, think, st- I felt like they still emphasize that in this movie. See, I'm not getting um, it. He was tearing I, up at points. I'm counter- and- I was, I was going to say, I'm going to counterpoint you there because for the first time, and he cried in that uh, cave as he was thinking about Uhura. And I was like, wow, that's the first time I've seen a human side of Spock in these newer movies. I don't know that scene. Yeah, yeah, they're in the cave when after he got injured really bad, no and spoilers. he's sitting there talking no to Bones. No spoilers. No, no, no. There's. Well, I, just, I mean, uh, that's my job. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. yeah. You know when I don't, um, when I don't see a nothing movie. in specific, <laughs> but they're sitting there talking and they're talking about you know Ambassador Spock and things, and Spock tears up, and he his eyes get wet, and he's right on the verge of like completely breaking out, and he wipes his eyes as Bones makes a joke about him when he tells him I could live without you. You know, we I'd throw a party. So it was just. As a joke, but you know that's uh, yeah. That was a par- personal moment for Spock. Okay. Yeah, I I think it Point, works. Counterpoint. <laughs> I think we still cast- don't have to agree. It's fine. It's fine. I think the cast yeah. works over well. I also think one of the other great things about this film that I really enjoyed is it had that level of imagination that I love with Star Trek, and I felt like the like the world building was really cool. Like this enemy and the way, um, without giving anything away kind of the way their ship design was and they worked together and how they warred, you know, like how they did their space attacks and stuff, I thought was really interesting and really cool. See, this thing, here's my pro for the movie, and I didn't honestly have that many, mm-hmm. but Justin Lin knows how to shoot an action film. Yeah, that's true. He, yeah, it totally does. Now, that's a pro for him and a con for him because some of the action stuff, he's, he, things were put in the movie... And it's not a big, you know, spoiler because it's in every single trailer. But the motorcycle, mm-hmm. I, I hated that part of the movie. Just <laughs> oh, okay. like it's it's like how many years into the future and you're still using a gas powered motorcycle <laughs> just to shoot a cool action scene? Can and, I throw something in there with that, Andrew? Go for it. This is not a spoiler in any in any way. Once again, because you see it in the trailer, that's the scene I'm talking about. Um, when he first gets on the bike. It looks like a 1970s like. Oh, that um, was the worst CGI ever. Uh, it was terrible. <laughs> it was like it so would bad. just look like a like it looked like a, a projection screen overlay. Uh, it was so bad yeah. when he shoots out and he's riding in. And I was like, oh my god! For such a beautiful film, CGI wise, the I rest had the of the exact way, same thought. It yeah. completely sucked me out of the movie for a minute, and I was like, Justin Lin? Really? Come on, and man. And it's also not the only time that happens. There yeah. are a few moments in this movie where I'm like, did they not have time to finish the effects work? Like, yeah. it's obvious CG, obvious green screen stuff. Uh, it was one of the big negatives for me, even though, I, again, like you said, it's a beautiful film. And, like, the, let's just say, you know, the crashing of some of the ships oh spectacular yeah but but man some of the little stuff just didn't seem to work so yeah that was definitely one of my big big negatives are we moving on to negatives now sure let's do it okay well um i'm just gonna refer to this as the sabotage scene okay thought it was the corniest thing i've seen in in this new star trek trilogy we'll get more into it in the spoilers because i do want to i I do want to talk about the sabotage scene as you're calling it um so we will definitely do that in spoilers but i think i can ask you this without spoiling anything do you mean corny in execution do you mean corny in um uh suspension of disbelief or both it's more of 
the ridiculousness of it that okay. really took me out. Like, so suspension of disbelief then it, is what it, I would take yeah, you to mean exactly. there. Yeah, okay. Also, uh, another negative I had, I didn't care about Idris Elba's character who plays the villain until like the very end. Like whenever mm-hmm. the the reveal or uh-huh. whatever you want to call it. Yeah. I like I don't get it. I don't care. And then like, oh, I wish you would have told me that earlier so I would have cared. Yeah, instead of instead of saving yes. the quote unquote twist, you know, save, save the story, right? Exactly. That's one of the things I think Pixar does really well is they will reveal story elements when best benefits the audiences need to understand and feel the story. Whereas a lot of movies just want that big <gasps> surprise moment at the end. And so they save story elements way too late. And I think this is a fairly good example of Avenue that. of the Dark Knight Rises, too. He pulled yeah. an M. Night Shyamalan. Yes. <laughs> no. yes. Didn't work. Shyamalama ding dong. Uh, yeah. Speaking of which, uh, I'm talking about The Last Airbender on the Horrible Movie Podcast this week. So oh. if you want to hear the depths of my pain and... S- Suffering. <laughs> you can See, download that. Sometime. I didn't hate that movie as much because I never, I've never seen Avatar before. Uh, so yeah, the um, show. I mean, what about you, Sean? What negatives did you have? Um, it's the fact that it doesn't. It moves away from what Star Trek is. Um, and I'm not. And this is my big gripe. Justin Lin does awesome action movies, just like Andrew pointed out. And this is a nonstop tour de force of constant action and stress, and it stopped being a character-driven movie in a number of spots, you know, other than the central theme of unity and everybody working together and, you know, the age-old tropes. Star Trek was a very brooding show. It was it, it had action sequences that tied things together occasionally. They just tie action scenes together with people talking in this movie. And so, like, and the action, some of it, and it, it reminds me of my my hate for transformers and the extra ridiculously overdone 400 quadrillion pieces moving at once extra zoomed in transformation process that Mm -hmm. Bay does, you know, as they, as they, you know, transform it's some of it just feels a bit overdone with the action, with the ridiculousness of it, you know? Yeah. And it's like, how far can we extend this? And that's what Lynn does best is extend it just a little further. How can we make this just a tiny bit more ludicrous than, and I understand what he's going for, but and I understand it's a space universe and everything else. It's just something about it, and I can't quite put my finger on it. It just felt like just a little too much at points um, when they could have been putting some of that character development. And you're right, the, the cast, I love. I love these people. And seeing them interact together, and it's just, I don't know, something about it. It's it's a great action movie that takes place in space um, with lots of great sound effects from a show that I used to love. Um, but it just doesn't feel as trekky, you know what I mean, as an overall composition uh, as I'd like it to. It felt it, like Fast and the Furious in space. Well, I was going to say. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, and it was. Ah, I wouldn't go that far. It what was I was going to say is it felt like a modern action movie in space. You know, like it didn't, it, you know, the. We've seen this type of movie so much the last several years, you know, whether yeah. it be the Star Trek yes. movies. And a lot of that has to do with the fact that people love it. You know, people love this style of filmmaking right now. That's why J.J. Abrams keeps but Star getting Trek all the jobs. Star Trek has to decide at some point in time what it's going to stand out and be. And it's been mm-hmm. something very specific for so long. So when you turn it into kind of more of an action type film mm-hmm. and it, it misses some kind of an element that... It's interesting, too, because... I, mean, I didn't see it, but right. I loved watching the Star Trek television series. Oh, I've yeah. watched Next Generation was like a huge part of my childhood you know i loved voyager i i've really loved all oh, of that yes. and each of those kind of you know developments and then the films are just like a complement to a series that works really well so you know you have to figure out now this isn't a series that's the other interesting thing is these new movies aren't a television series we're not watching these characters on tv we're only watching them on the film so there's got to be something there that the trek fans love but it's interesting because Modern franchise universe building is kind of a TV series on the big screen. So, you know, you're dealing with the third iteration of this cast. You could call it the third season. That was one of my questions for you guys is how many movies do you think this cast has left? Do they do one more and then finish up? Two. Two or three. I don't know, man. I think one would be good. I this cast I I mean, if you're asking me what I I want, uh, I want indefinitely. I, I would love for these guys to play it till they get old, just like the original. So you obviously did. really loved them. I love them. Yeah, I really do. I think it's great casting. So do they do something like you know what Divergent is doing and actually like 
take it over to a you know a streaming place so we can see these guys more frequently do something kind of more serious fun with it or do you keep it keep it all in the big screen well these actors aren't going to want to do they're, a they're television series yeah they they won't want to to be but locked if you, into a TV if you series. lock in the trek fans you're in it forever well here's the thing they're already making a new star trek television series yeah they're filming one right what now what world do we live in <laughs> what world do we live in is it the same characters? No, it's okay. gonna be it's gonna be a new chapter in a different well, time that's smart. frame. So. That's smart. I would yeah. watch that. Yeah. I mean, we'll see if I do, but I think I would. Yeah. For me, Next One Generation more. is still the best out of like. All I the love Next series. Generation. Make it so. Well, I think I you know I'm getting the sense that I like this movie more than the two of you, which which is fine. Uh, sp- certainly more than Andrew. Andrew, I think you're really out of, mediocre on it. My last thing is out of the three new movies, this is my least favorite one. So. What's your uh, next thing? Your last one thing? last thing. Uh, my one last thing is um, I was just really. It's so interesting because I was going to talk about how it felt like a Star Trek episode <laughs> more than any other. But you guys disagree with that. But that no, no, that it, was my one last thing. It really just felt to me like, oh, okay, this felt like a one-off, episodic, you know, Star Trek thing that I that I really enjoyed the world building in. And so. I totally agree. You are right. It does. Com- but I wanted to see a movie. I didn't want to see. see an episode. I see. Okay. Fair Ooh. enough. Fair enough. Nice point. Uh, Sean, Sean, what's your, what's one, your last one, thing? one last thing? My one last thing? I I agree with you that uh, it it's it comes together better as a Trek movie than the previous two movies. Um, but I agree with Andrew. It still wasn't the experience I was looking for. It's just not quite there yet. And I feel like if they, they're close to the formula, and maybe next time it'll feel like Wrath of Khan. You know what I mean? Hope, pray <laughs> that it could match that level of, of excitement. I like how... You want the next movie to be like Wrath of Khan in the, the movie before this the one greatest. was the Wrath of Khan. <laughs> well, but, then, <laughs> but we didn't talk about this, but it is it is worth just mentioning briefly the fact that maybe this feels more like to me a, a single episode of Star Trek or a single you know universe because they've spent so much time referencing things in the first two. You know, like yeah, you know the old Spock and you know and and I, as far as I know, this isn't an existing alien species or race that we've seen in the Star Trek universe before, is it? I mean, no. do you guys know? I love that. I love that it's new, you mm-hmm. know, and that we haven't seen it before in any episode. Do you want to talk about the nods to Anton and to the Leonard Nimoy? That's actually going to be one of my um, my one more thing was going to be we know that Anton, uh, who plays Shavok, Chekhov, Chekhov, Chekhov. Uh, I couldn't remember how to say his name. That um, reminded me of uh, Free Shavaka Do, Free Shavaka Do. <laughs> Uh, how you know they fresh avocado? I don't know. Okay, never mind. Um, how it went, like because we know that the actor was tragically killed. Yeah, and so and yes. then there's also been news that they're not going to be bringing back his character. They're not replacing that character in the movies. Uh, so how how did you guys Thank feel you. watching that? Honestly, do you think that they edited out a bunch of scenes because he seemed like a really back like background character in this film, uh, except for I like one felt, scene? I he was felt- on his way to film the day that he was killed i think yeah i i actually felt like he was in it more than i expected him to be really because i he was yeah i that that was how i came out feeling like um because in the other movies i feel like i feel like he was in this movie more than he was even in the first two yes so i was gonna say the scene i think he did more individual screen time rather than just being as part talking in the midst of a large screen of other people he had more upfront camera time than i've seen him have before uh him journeying through the planet with kirk um and his assistants there uh i was kept wondering are they going to kill him at some point oh, without yeah. actually showing his face are they going to find a way to end him in this movie and uh, that way they've got a transition to everything because they're not going to have him anymore. Yeah, I didn't even think about um, that being an option for it. But I think, like, would, I think I th- he's a great Chekhov, and I don't think you can yeah, replace him. Yeah, and that's no. the thing. That's, so I think that's why they're they probably going to say like to. he got transferred to a new station or something yeah. in the next movie. Yeah. Um, before we, uh, oh, sorry, go ahead. No, no, no. I was just going to say I, I think they made the absolute right choice in not quote unquote killing him off in the film. I think that would have been. An awful choice. You heard yeah. it here first. Spoiler. Yes. That was definitely one of them. Okay, moving on. <laughs> well, I guess, um, that, before, I guess that kind of that is, he doesn't it, die in the movie. Yeah, yeah. that's that's okay. Uh, before we go on to our TV series that we're going to be reviewing for uh, Stranger Things here in just a moment, I wanted to mention that in the chat, DJ M3 brought up that Captain Logan, who is one of our gurus here on the show, he loved it, and he is the biggest Star Trek fan ever. He, he really so is. Like he, I don't know a Star Trek fan bigger than him. So there's another person out there that if, you've, uh, if and you haven't been checked in on Geek Volu- uh, Geekvolution. Very lukewarm on the first two so, in this new series. And to, to hear to he loved this movie, that's that's interesting to me. 
Oh, yes. Mm -hmm. I'm creeped out already. Such an amazing intro. <laughs> it's <Yes>. so good. <laughs> flawless. Flawless. All right, so you need to prepare yourself to be bombarded by people who absolutely are obsessed with a new Netflix series <laughs> called Stranger Things. I think we've given away the plot. I think it's quite obvious that all of us absolutely love this show. This kind of came out of nowhere. It's a story set in the mid-'80s about you know a group of kids who are dealing with Maybe the supernatural. Maybe something's going on. It is kinda... it about a group of kids, or is it about a group of adult of adults? It's maybe about both. Or is it about mad scientists? Or is it about aliens? Or <laughs> <laughs> if Stephen King's It and Stephen King's The Mist had a baby, it would be the series. There you go. Which is what makes this series so magical. Because I could have swore I kept digging and thinking maybe I had missed a book someplace of Stephen everything King. About, yes. yes, everything about this this show screams Stephen King. Yeah. The title, the the logo itself looks like it's right off of a, a book jacket. Um, the theme, the thematic of the uh, you know progression of the show, the characters, everything just screams, and even the twists are so King-like. And I kept looking like maybe I missed this book someplace, and that's what it's based on. And it's an original Netflix property completely. I but, agree with you because that's exactly what happened with me, and my friends. We were googling as we were watching. Is there a book? Like, where is this coming from? <laughs> and in fact, the girl that I was watching with was convinced that she had read the book. She's like, Oh, I read this book. <laughs> yeah, you know. <laughs> yes, Has I did read um. Oh, go ahead. I was going to ask, has everybody seen every episode? No. I've seen the first yes. three. I've seen the first three. Oh, I've seen no. every episode twice. Wow. Yes, me too. Yep. Yes, I watched it a second time. Yeah. That's so, great. I did read, uh, if you want an endorsement, and this will be official, uh, I did read that Stephen King uh, a couple of days ago, four or five days ago, said it's absolutely fantastic. Yeah, so that's the one thing that I was, uh, when I was looking it up, because I watched this um two days ago so at this point it's really fresh kind of in my mind as far as the first couple of episodes we'll probably not talk about the first three-ish because we've all at least seen up to the first three well we try to keep fairly spoiler, spoiler free. free here anyway um, so yeah so as far as we kind of know at, at this point for Aaron and I versus what you guys know will be a little bit different obviously um, and I think that's good I actually think that'll make for some good conversation because we can't spoil for each other yeah exactly um, well, uh, Sean and I could spoil for you but, but there was a lot of mentions <laughs> mm -hmm. from a lot of the people that I was just glancing through articles to see if this was a book uh, yeah I, I saw that Stephen King was really excited about it that it's almost like a an homage to King and to others and they're, they're listing this whole I felt a lot of, of Spielberg in yes, here Spielberg like, I, was I, another like, one it just felt like Super 8, you Goonies know, was a Spielberg was another. kind of thing-ish. Yeah. Uh, so there's like all this kind of melting pot of... And there's definitely a Goonies vibe to it. There yeah. is, because they're allowing the younger generation to have a very forefront and crucial part in what they're showing each episode. Each episode, we're seeing these different um, age groups. And I think that's one of the reasons why it's so great is because though it's not like all super plot... or. Uh, driven by like how much dialogue is happening it's actually it's beautiful filmmaking too uh, but they're it showing really it, good they're showing it in each of these different genres so no matter your age you can kind of connect in uh you, you mentioned the kids and i wanted to bring this up for the first thing to talk about because i we i'm pretty sure we can all agree the kids are fabulous in yeah. this um yes and i i i think part of the reason is they don't seem to come from that like cookie cutter like disney channel you know kind of polished vibe they feel like real kids who might have been around in the 80s and you know i just i i buy them completely and it's it's been a while they have since missing i've seen teeth. that they, yeah they're they're not luke lucas is my favorite of the kids he's amazing the one with the lisp uh -huh. oh no that was dustin lucas was, uh, i'm sorry yeah dustin 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 was my favorite as well well and, and yeah, I like lucas how, is the black kid yeah. i like how there's a moment when they're being teased by the older boys at the school and he defends himself and says i have a cranial something he has mm -hmm. an, an cranial dysplasia He's yeah like, where my teeth his, won't uh, come. They'll, they'll come in later but he has like an actual reason why at the age of i don't know how old I do think you they're like nine or eight yeah nine nine-year-old boys why uh, he doesn't have his te 11 teeth. i would guess 11 nine to 11 yeah so they're yeah because you think about it 12. you would definitely have all of your teeth by that age but here he doesn't not because he lost them but because mm -hmm. they haven't come in yet dude so i like that they just develop these characters i also like how you know they've got this uh, in the adult character stream you've got this person like chief who the uh, policeman the Dustin Harbour was so, so good. good. So he's so great. He is because they're allowing this character to be a little unlikable when we first meet him and a little scruffy and you know really showing like his grit. 
but then we're developing a respect for him and that is such a valuable character to have anytime you're in a series as someone that you really are like I really didn't like him like I didn't from, like him the either, first the moment first on episodes. the first moment on screen I was like oh this is the jerk cop and then yeah. I realized they're just building a human being exactly and, yes. and, and it was exactly. just and that's what this show does so well is it builds human beings and uh, man, there's something to be said for that. I'd like to say this. So a lot of shows that try and pull this off, they'll have kids versus adults. Right. You know, like, but there's actually three groups in this. You have kids, uh, young adults, mm-hmm. and then the adults. That's true. Yep. Yeah, we haven't even talked about the teenagers, really. Yeah. Going into the teenagers, you know, you've got these really beautiful character developments that are happening. And I've got a lot of emotion every time I see particular ones. I'm feeling I things love, from my own youth, which is great. I love Barb, the friend who's like trying to keep, you know, yes. her friend accountable. Oh, one yeah. One of my favorite characters. I just, I absolutely love her. I let's she's let's great. do that. What is one of your favorite, it might be hard to do, but what is one of your It'll favorite characters? It'll have to be in the first, you know, first in episode first or two. Episodes. In, in case they introduce characters right. that we haven't seen. So far, what uh, in the first few episodes, what is your favorite character that you're introduced to? From the kids, Dustin's my favorite. Mm-hmm. From the teenagers, yes. Jonathan's my favorite. Mm-hmm. And from the adults... It's a toss-up between Winona Ryder and Dustin Harbour. I probably think that Winona Ryder has the best performance in the entire series. Well, she certainly is performing at another level uh, right off the bat. Like, she she is... It only gets better. She's I'll playing frazzled house uh, yeah. mother really well. Sean? She does... Uh, I, lo- I love Winona Ryder, but she's on the verge. She's her best uh, aspects in this movie are all her, also her biggest detriment. She plays the worried, frazzled, like uh, losing her mind mother really well. But the as far as the losing her mind part, she does that really well. But her panic over a kid, um, I don't know. There's times where I felt like she was just a little bit overdone. Um, and that's I'm not. It, that's a tough drag out of me to do as a negative because she's so good in this role. You know, I can't and think I agree, neg- Dustin. Oh, go ahead. I can't think of anything negative to say about this show. Yeah. I honestly can't. Not a single yeah, thing. Yeah, it's so amazing. I just I honestly can't. What's one of your favorite characters, Aaron? Uh, I, I think I already mentioned in each group, but I think overall probably the policeman. I, I just, I, I am, and again, I'm only through three episodes, I, but I have gone from thinking he was possibly mm-hmm. going to be a despicable human being who is, you know, sexist and whatever, to going, okay, I get the roundness and fullness of this character and and he's you know to see his heart for truth you know to find truth and to find what's going on and I just my, I love that character. My favorite is 11. Um for a oh, lot of oh, reasons. Oh Millie Millie Brown because Millie Brown's amazing. Millie Bobby Brown, she was born in 2011. No, just kidding. Ooh, that's way She's too four? That's <laughs> recent. That's way too recent. She's 5, five, five years old. She Where did what Where was it? she born? Oh, 2004. There it is. Um so she's this young, you know, young kid actress. But what she's pulling off, the complexity of what she's pulling off, um, in the first few episodes, she starts to have flashbacks to how her youth was and how different it is compared to just about anybody that you could ever imagine. And the level of complexity of how she's emoting, um, specifically there's this one moment when she can't please you know, an adult person and then she does please him and she just collapses into his arms as he like, you know, is proud of her. And it's such a messed up. It's just such a messed up thing, but to just like really see how she, this actress is emoting, I'm really impressed with her because she is such a mysterious character and she's doing a fantastic job. If you've never seen Stranger Things, you're missing context as to why it was a messed up thing for somebody to, you know, accomplish something and to fall into somebody's arms. But that's the thing this show does so well is it gives you all of this complexity complexity in context for all of these characters in And I would also say I am impr- I mean I, I love all the acting I think I'm with you guys there's a, not a lot I don't like about this and I didn't know what to expect because um I actually recorded uh, an episode on uh the podcast um horrible movie podcast too and it was one of the things that was talked about uh in that episode was you know you should go watch stranger things but if you get really creeped out by stuff, maybe you shouldn't watch it. So I was super, super nervous going into watching this series. Well, talk series. about the creep factor. How did you feel they did with the creep factor? Is it too much? Is it not enough? It's like the it's like the most, so far, it's like the perfect combination for somebody who does not want to be so weirded out that I, and it's not, it's not gory. It's not something, I mean, like it has 
tension build really well. It's got really cool, creepy things that are happening where it's just like, what is going on? And it builds the tension really nicely. The releases are really nice too, at least so far. I haven't been too creeped out. And there's a, there's a scene in the third, I think it's the third episode uh, where we get to kind of um, see a new set that's happening. I, don't, I won't spoil anything. But it's that more creepier set piece that kind of gives you another clue as to what's happening in this um, supernatural world, this universe that we're in. And even that was just so well done. And it's so interesting to look at. And uh, the bad guy, the monster, the darkness, the creepiness factor is just like, it's a really good build for me. So anyhow, what do you you guys think about the creep factor? So this movie definitely tries to pull off the 80s vibe. Love that you just called it a movie. But continue. It is. It, it's a movie. Yeah. It's yeah. a great. Okay. So this series, I'll say that. It's an eight, it's an eight hour <laughs> so film. So this series, it tries to pull off that, you know, that 80s vibe. I can think of one negative. I wish they would have used more practical effects just to really yeah. put the nail in the coffin for. What does that mean? Like Instead not of CGI, CG. like have like robotic monster, you know, oh, you like mean animatronics, like, like animatronic like actual items it. to act with. If, yeah. they, if they wanted it to be an 80s vibe, I think that would have made it honestly one of the greatest series of all time. But they're really, that I don't feel like they're trying to go for the idea that it was like filmed in the something. 80s. I think they're but, trying I'm, to go for the, yeah. the title sequence, the I love everything. Style. I was going to say, can I add something to that, Andrew? Go for it. You when you said the 80s, and I think this is a really good point because Aaron just mentioned that, it brings me to uh, something we've we've missed here. It has a very 80s feel to it. Everything about it says 80s, except for the fact that they never actually say in the movie that it's taking place in the 80s. Yeah, they did. One of... Did yeah, they? It said like 1984. Yeah. 1983. Okay. Yeah. So, so yeah, everything about it. And we're missing one of the best characters in the movie, and that's the music. Like... The music in this is so spot on throughout the course of it from the amazing theme. But you've got, I mean, Joy Division, I heard, Clash, New Order, David Bowie. Yeah, I mean, it's so perfectly toned to everything. And it sets the the mood so perfectly. Um, The the scene where Jonathan is, you know, rocking the mixtape for for, uh, Mikey is so awesome you know that that's just like this great little moment where he's imparting like his generation he's passing the torch so to speak you know he's like uh, trying to teach him about the times and it's just so much of it is really really good and that's a great character but also using the music you know in that moment it actually comes around later on and the music the lyrics become its own character yeah yeah that's why the music is so magical yeah, yeah, so they are doing a really good job. And I'm, that too. I'm guessing they paid a pretty penny for some of those songs to be uh, in the yeah, show. Oh, you have I the Clash and Joy Division and <laughs> Foreigner, New that's New what, Order. Yeah, that's television. where all their money. That's where all their money. Bowie? I think one yeah. of the things that excites me a lot as somebody who's just three episodes. I wanted to binge watch the entire thing. I kind of just didn't have the time to really devote to it because the other thing that I love about this is it's not one that I want in the background. This is one that I'm actually really wanting to Mm -hmm. watch because I know I'm missing something if I look away. There's these subtle things. There's a... A moment when the the screen shows L in a in a spaceship, uh, the the Millennium Falcon, and the way that they shot that particular moment, if you were looking, if you weren't looking at the screen, you would have just thought she was sitting there because it was a mm-hmm. very top 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 element, the very like little sliver at the top of the screen for you to see, and then it pans back out and you can see like the full picture. It's pretty mm-hmm. on the nose, but they're they're doing a really good job of just telling this beautiful story through film through music and through all of the acting combined and the fact that you guys are still freaks about it and loving it gives me like I'm so excited to go watch the well, rest of it. That leads to my question for our completists for our finishers who mm-hmm. have finished it. Uh without going into spoilers, do you feel it sticks the landing? Oh yeah. Yay! Absolutely. Oh. As a matter excited. of fact, <laughs> I matter of fact, I think the show actually gets uh, you guys have seen the first 3 episodes. Yeah, the first 3. This it's is one so... of those shows that actually gets better each episode yeah. because as you get more context, it becomes deeper than it was oh, even so the episode good. before that's and the so characters good. become so much more like you get you get to love them so much more and identify and if you love Millie um uh, 11 uh, by the end of the show, she'll be one of your favorite characters ever in a sh- yeah. in a show. Yeah. I mean, she truly is f- 
a phantasmical experience to do. And you mentioned you don't want this in the background. It is impossible for me to get my wife to watch a show. And like, we love a bunch of these Netflix originals. Like Orange of the New Black is one of our favorite shows. But most of the time she's working on schoolwork for students and things like that while she watches. I told her, I said, I watched the first 30 minutes of the first episode and I turned it off and I said, you've got to watch this with me. If you don't like it, I'll be shocked, but just watch this one episode. And we end, ended up, as soon as she saw the first episode, that's all we did all day. We watched the entire show in one day because we couldn't put it down. It was so amazing. And that's the first time I've ever got her to do that with a show um, ever. To just be like, oh my God, this is so good. We must see it all right now. Yeah. Well, I think it's obvious that, you know, uh, Netflix really has got this down that they can release something with little to no fanfare. And yeah. to take over the cultural consciousness oh, like yeah. this. But they- also to impress all of these <laughs> other great directors and writers who have helped to build this exact genre that they're operating so well. It's like I'm sure that Stephen King feels a sense of pride that somehow he influenced the creation of a show like this because the people who are making the show, the brothers, the do do Dooley? I don't know. I wanted to say Duff um, Brothers, but Duff then, Brothers. Is Duffy Brothers. Duff? Duffer. 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 The Duffer Brothers obviously have had a great influence of pop culture of yeah, you know it's Duffer. So so these these guys or these you know this whoever is creating this mm-hmm. um, I love that they have an affinity with the the fathers of you know this kind of a genre. I, w- I would say since you mentioned the DNA of a show like this and we mentioned Stephen King and we mentioned Steven Spielberg I think we would be remiss if we didn't mention John Carpenter as well with you know oh, a lot yeah. of those those See, I didn't really type. get the John maybe it was because I, for me, John Carpenter is the king of practical effects, and maybe that's just why I didn't... Sure, I get that. I'm just telling you that first scene, the very first scene of this show where there's flickering lights in a hallway, I was thinking, yeah. oh my goodness, this is a John Carpenter film. Yeah. You yeah. Know? So, and then it kind of goes, yeah, Spielberg, and, and I just, there's a lot of DNA in this, and I think it's, uh, you know, overall done really, really well. I'll say this, um, without going into too many details, because I don't really want to talk about it, but this was an insanely emotional week for me, and the fact that this show was able to captivate me mm. and make me watch the whole thing twice should speak volumes to how good the show is. That's so. true. Absolutely, yeah. And that's a that's a beautiful thing about when um, something comes along at that perfect time where you can sink into it like a good book or something. You mm-hmm. can kind of escape into a really good story at the perfect time. It's awesome. Um, you know, well, any, any and- other like just one more kind of mention before we wrap up here, and then we're going to go on to our buried treasure. Sean, you got yeah. one more thing? I was just going to say that you you hit the nail on the head. As far as this show is concerned, Netflix has proven they have a formula for magic. They really do know how to do tell stories. And like Andrew said, for something to take him away in, in a time of stress or, you know, distraught uh, like that, it just shows the in- exceptional storytelling that next Netflix is doing with these shows. And this is, this is a premium example of it. If you haven't checked this show out yet, just run uh, now and, and watch it. <laughs> yeah. Run, don't walk. Go, run, go don't now. walk. Go yes. get it right now. Get your controller in your hand, <laughs> grab your fire TV remote, whatever it is, your access point and get on Netflix and watch it now. Uh, yeah, I agree. This is a this is a must watch and uh, at the top of my uh, must watch television list right now for if somebody asked would be Stranger Things so, and I'm only three episodes in yeah. so I don't even have the full picture. I would probably say that of out of every single Netflix series, this is probably my favorite now. I'm better than House of Cards. Better than yes, Grace and Frankie, which That's I started really watching. Oh, so I started watching it. What do you think of Flashpoint Paradox? I didn't watch it yet. <laughs> so you promised me. I did. I did, and I will. I will get to it. I, what do you think of Grace and Frankie? Then, real quick. Oh, it's great. I like it. It's a lot of fun. Yeah, I okay, especially good. like um, Martin Freeman's or Martin Martin Sheen. Martin Sheen. Sheen. Yeah. Martin Freeman's. Um, my mom started watching it, and she's in love with it too. And I was really excited, Aaron, that your sister watches it, and she loves it. So. Yeah. 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 Um, that's a great place since those were buried treasure last week to transition. Move, transition into our buried treasure this week. Uh, I will start us off because um, I said that Stranger Things is at the top of my must watch TV list. And uh, it's actually much closer than just saying that would be at the top because my buried treasure is uh, Night of uh, HBO's uh, new crime 
drama that's, I think, two episodes in, maybe three now. I've only seen the first two. That's the John Totoro. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I saw the pilot. That was it. Blown away. Like, I haven't been this blown away by a TV show in a long time. Like, as far as it's doing something to my... It was like, you know how there's like a show that will be built for you? Like, it's just built for the way you tick. This show, with its focus on crime detail and figuring out all the depths of this situation and just give you a little background it's basically the story of um i don't know how much i want to give away a man who uh is has a crazy night and ends up um let's just say accused of a crime yeah let's just let's just leave it there but the way it goes into detail about all of these things and who he is and who all these people are and all the details of the night and all the evidence and I can just tell this movie is or I you called it, it a movie, movie because it feels like a movie. In fact, that was the thing I tweeted after I watched the first two episodes. Like, are TV shows like eligible for Oscars? Because this could be Best Picture because yeah. it's phenomenally made. I remember so, after the, the pilot, I wanted to go back and like watch the first just so I could see if I could catch every little yeah, thing. Yeah, it's I I was not expecting it to like it as much as I do, but it's pretty phenomenal. I will also say it would be a rated R movie. There's a lot of oh yeah HBO you know HBO is naughty gore and that kind of stuff. It's interesting you say that 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 show is built for you. Yeah, for me, Stranger Things was built for me. Right, sure. Yes, so, I totally get yep. that. Is one hundred percent. Yeah, you know what? What's, show. what's interesting for me is the Stranger Things is like growing up in kind of the Christian bubble, like I grew up with. I don't have a lot of the same pop culture reference points that a lot of people my age have. Yeah. I get that stuff. Like it was interesting watching Ghostbusters recently too. You know, like I get the Ghostbusters things, but I, I when I watched Ghostbusters, it had already been out for six years. You know what I mean? Like, so it's a whole different perspective. You know that I have on a lot of that stuff, but but I can still you know kind of associate and identify. What about you, Sean? What's your buried treasure? Uh, so mine, as always, is a, is a tech thing. Um, Nintendo announced that they are re-releasing the NES as a mini console. Mm-hmm. Fits in the palm of your hand. It's going to come preloaded with 30 games. Um, and it's the most magical item on my tech wish list for the year. And it's the um, best 30 games, by the way. Oh, it's yeah, not it just any exactly. Mario, yes. The Mario's, the yep. Kirby's, Zelda. Yeah, Zelda. They, they personally curated these games by sales and reviews and everything else and uh, public uh, love. And it's it's fantastic. The thing fits in the palm of your hand. It goes on sale. It'll be fifty nine ninety nine. Uh, it's already available for uh, pre order. Comes in out the November, UK. right? It goes on November eleventh. It 11th. launches. So um, I'm super excited about it. I, it's, it's super super awesome. So here's a question for you. Maybe you know more about this. The picture I saw. It looked like it had t- uh, two controller ports. So it is does. this going to be a because I know, obviously, the original NES was couch co-op. Is there going to be couch co-op compatibility for this as well? They have not said, but I can only assume with two controller ports on it that that's that is you know what I mean. That's going to be available. Uh, as a as a side note, since you did mention the controller ports, for those who haven't seen it, it will not support your standard NES controllers. It's going to actually it's got a very special connector on the front of them, and it's. It'll come with a controller. You can buy a second one for seven bucks, See, eight bucks. I want to know if Duck so, Hunt's going to be on there. You can buy the little gun, <laughs> the orange fine. and gray oh, gun. No, yes. it's not. Uh, oh. You, you want to guess what my favorite game that's on there is? Uh, uh, Mario Bros. 2? No. Mech something? 3. I do love Mario 3 is my favorite Metroid. Mario. Metroid. No. Uh, uh, you guys are going to hate me. Uh, You're not going to hate oh, me. Oh, it's not going to be as older than... No, it's Dr. Mario. Uh, Dr. Mario. I love oh, Dr. Mario. That was fun. That was fun. I was so glad to see that that was on there. Well, yeah. I'll go next for Buried Treasure, Treasure real quick. Uh, I have an app game. If It kind of reminded me of Monument Valley. If you played Monument Valley, which is an incredible game, it's an incredible experience and storytelling, a uh, really nice piece of art. It's a, uh, we've reviewed it before. I uh, highly recommend you get that one. It does cost dollars. Mechorama, however, does not cost dollars, and it reminded me of like each level in Monument Valley was kind of like a 3D puzzle. You spin it around, mm-hmm. and you're trying to move the character up and around and through this puzzle to get to the top. You may have seen it on uh, House of Cards. That's actually where I saw it and got it. Yeah. It was the game <laughs> that the president played, or I guess yeah. the vice president at the so time. So Mechorama is, and your character is just this little robot, and then each level is 
very, very similar. It's just you're spinning things around, you're moving pieces. It's very, very simple compared to Monument Valley because obviously, you know, it gets more complicated as the game went on. So I'm curious to keep playing these levels and see if I can figure it out. But it's fun to kind of do that again because I love that part of Monument Valley. So Mechorama, the picture is of a robot standing on top of like a little pyramid. It's got a blue background. It's free. Mechorama. Mechorama. My turn. Andrew Ormsby, what's your buried treasure? Finish us off with something that's already been a buried treasure before. Not by me, by Aaron. But it's a show that just came back on, Penn and Teller Fool Us. Yes. Because Aaron and I both turn into five-year-olds whenever this show (laughs) comes back on. Because we love magic. It's... (laughs) Because we, yeah, we turn into little kids. Like, I don't know. It really, he's a wizard. It's not, there is no, um, there's no uh, trickery or foolery. Yeah. They're really pulling off these I, feats I can't, of wizardry. I can't, I can't figure it out, so you must be from another dimension. Exactly. I literally thought that David Copperfield could fly. <laughs> yeah. I and I still, I'm still, still curious wonder. if he's got like some really incredible angels or something that are just lifting him up and moving <laughs> around the room because... That was amazing. I want to ask a question to Aaron about this. Sure, sure. uh, The thing, one of my favorite things about the show is after the tricks performed, um, Penn and Teller have to tell them if they were fooled or not. Mm -hmm. If they weren't fooled, they talk in code. I know, it's so great. Isn't that like the coolest thing about that show? It's the best thing ever. Yeah, Yeah, it really is. And some of that code I get because I've studied magic a little bit. Not a lot of it, though. And it's just... The things that they know, I just want to know. Yeah. You know, because like, like after the tricks perform, like, oh man, that was an amazing trick. I particularly like the fact that you performed something that was really famous on Baker Street in the 1930s <laughs> by Henry Woolsworth, and like, yeah, he got it. I'm like, wait, yeah. what? What? Wait, wait, what? What? <laughs> what happened at Bakersfield? What was that? Yeah. <laughs> oh, and I just, I love, I also love that the show is so positive, like. There's, it's the, you know, Penn and Teller trying to figure out these tricks. is isn't like they're trying to tear people down. Mm-mm. They are so excited about well, they the, love the craft. Fo- they love the craft so much. I, and when they're fooled, yeah. they get so excited, you know? And it's just like, oh, I just, I love those guys. So we also need to say that um, uh, Allison uh, Hannigan from How I Met Your Mother is the new host now. Yes, correct. So, I think she's doing an okay job. Yeah. I, I mean, I've only seen the first episode. I haven't watched the second one yet. So... Um, I mean, she's doing just as good as what's-his-name did that hosted the... Did he, I mean, did you ever watch the original English series? Yeah, yeah. That yeah. was... I'm trying to think of his name. Uh, Fool Us. He was a... Um, uh, he's a famous English presenter. Yeah, yeah. And... Uh, Jonathan Ross. Yeah, Jonathan Ross. Because I remember he had the list, and that yeah. was really what he was famous for. Yeah. But I, but thought I think he was Hannigan's great. doing great. I think she interacts well in the tricks that she's asked to, to be in. I think she, you know, yeah. she's doing fine. She has the performer's background, so... Oh, man, I do love that show. It's so good. Thanks so much for joining us today. Sif Pop is part of the Shoe the Dough podcast network. You can find more about other live and later shows on the network by following the feed at Mixler.com slash Shoe the Dough. That's M-I-X-L-R dot com slash Shoe the Dough. Huge thanks to our constant third, Andrew Ormsby from Flick Freaks. Tell people a little bit about Woo! Flick Freaks. All right. Mainly it's a YouTube channel. You can find us at YouTube.com forward slash Flick Freaks. We do reaction videos, reviews, let's plays, all the great nerdy stuff you could ever ask for. If you want to find us on social medias, you can find us pretty much at any single one of them at forward slash Flick Freaks. Huge thanks also to today's guru. It's Sean from Geek Point Tell us about Geek Point what you guys got going on. So we uh, we are tech and pop culture uh, extravaganza. So video games, comics, uh, pop culture, tech, uh, anything geeky. Uh, we're doing heavy coverage on Pokemon Go right now. Um, so you can find us as well at our website at geekpointo.com. You have to spell the point out. So it would be geek, P-O-I-N-T, zero.com. And uh, as with Flick Freaks, you can find us on all the social medias uh, at forward slash geekpointo. Just make sure you spell that point out, G-E-E-K-P-O-I-N-T, zero. Much love and gratitude to our Patreon supporters for giving monthly to make this show and others on the Shoe the Dough Network possible. Support starts at a buck a month and comes with some pretty fun perks. You can find out more at patreon.com slash shoe the dough. Also, if you know of a podcast or have a podcast idea that you'd like to see on the network, let us know. All feedback is welcome at Aaron and Danae at gmail.com. It's just, just fantasy. fantasy. Just fantasy. Okay, I have. I guess we'll ask this question. Have you ever listened to Brohemian Rhapsody? No. It's the story about a <laughs> frat house. It's 
beyond Are hilarious. Sean? I just, I just, <laughs> I just spit water all over my screen. Hold on. <laughs> oh my god. Oh my baby. No. Hollis. I was taking a drink and he said bro <laughs> Brohemian Rhapsody and I just shot liquid out my nose. My keyboard is covered. <laughs> my screen. Sean, oh <laughs> no. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. 